always living in the place of recognizing you can't make things happen in your own strength. So you're always looking at everything in life as something that you need to be praying into and asking God to bring breakthrough in. And so it doesn't mean literally every day you're going, hold on a second, let me get in my prayer closet over here, right? And praying. or coming. And all it literally means is that every day of life, every person that I meet in every situation, listen, this is important. I'm teaching you what it means to be a Christian. It means every situation, in every moment, in every person that you meet, in everything that arises in your life, it becomes the thing that you are praying into. To every person that you meet, you go, God, what do you have to say through me to them? It doesn't literally mean you go, hold on a second. Oh, Jesus, the great and glorious God of all the... Don't do that. Just go, Jesus, what do you have? Right? Looks like you would say, what you got for him? Do that. What you got for him? What you got for him? Right? I'm just talking to him, right? What you got for him? The whole time you're listening to them... And listening to Jesus, right? It's a persistent prayer. Something arises in life, and you just find yourself just praying, Jesus, come. We need you to move, right? A persistent life of prayer. So he's teaching them, listen, all of life and every moment is this, this, this natural relationship with Jesus of crying out, calling out, speaking out something that, that God wants to do. And so we live life in this persistent life of prayer. So every moment of every day is an interaction with Jesus about the thing that's in front of us in the moment. Not just God, oh, bless me, Jesus, but God, what do you have for? That's what we talked about last week, dads. That's what it means to be the father. Spending less time praying for my issues and myself and my things and more time focused on others and what God wants to do for them and the compassion we can pour out. And so Jesus is doing this whole birthing here, teaching his disciples, listen, I live a life of, of continual, persistent prayer before the Father, and so, so should you. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. And at the very end, at the very end, verse 8, I believe he puts his finger on the very issue that they were facing and that all of the church would be facing for eternity until he returns. It's the very issue that we wrestle with, the very issue that we, we stumble over, the, the very thing that may keep us from living this life of prayer. And it says in verse 8, right, it says, However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? Now, we all know what faith means, right? It means we, we trust someone. We have, we, have, we have confidence and trust and we, in who they are. So, obviously, when it talks about having faith here in Scripture, it's talking about having faith in Jesus. This deep and abiding trust and confidence in Jesus. That's faith. This deep, and you don't mean by abiding, right? Abiding has in mind this, this comfort, this this like protection, abiding. I'm abiding in Jesus, right? Or I'm, a, I'm abiding in my home during the thunderstorms, this place of residence, this place that I live, right? It's this place that whenever, whatever's going on in me, I'm abiding in it. I'm, I'm protected. I'm guarded in this place. And so this idea of faith is I'm guarded and protected then, Right? In my confidence of him as Lord and protector and leader in my life. And so faith then is this deep and abiding trust 
and confidence in Jesus. And if you've ever read the New Testament or the Old Testament, you know that faith is pretty important. Faith is pretty important. We see Abraham says he was justified by his faith. He was put in right standing before God because he had faith in God, right? And Romans says he was a Christian. He was a follower of God because of his, of his abiding in his faith in God, his trust in God. God, I'm going to pick up everything I own. And I'm going to go to some country that I don't yet know what it is with all of my stuff and all of my family, and we're just going to go having no idea where we're going because I have faith. How many of you like taking steps without seeing the steps in front of you? Do you live life best by faith or by sight? Do you feel most comfortable and confident in life walking by faith or walking by sight? And Jesus is coming and saying, listen, when I look on the earth, am I going to find people who have faith defining their lives? Will I find faith? We see in Scripture, he says several things. He says to people, your faith has healed you, right? He says things like, that. he says, I didn't do many miracles because of your lack of faith. He says other places, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not in, without faith, God's not going to love you. But it means, oh, I love it when you have faith faith, right? It pleases me. It warms my heart. doesn't mean he's necessarily angry over here. He's more broken when we don't live a life of faith. There's a, a place of pleasure like, oh, it's so good that you trust me. It's so good that you believe me. Listen, how many times have you had something prepared to justify to someone that you were trustworthy? And you had this whole argument planned of, hey, listen, like at, at work or in school or with somebody, it's like, hey, Okay, well, hey, listen, you can trust me to do this, and here's the reason. They're going, I'll trust you. And you're like, really? I don't have to justify myself? I don't have to prove to you that I'm trustworthy? No, I trust you. Are you serious? Oh, my gosh. That's awesome, right? That's the pleasure. God finds pleasure and delight when we say, oh, we, do, we believe you. And so he comes along with this idea, right? And he says, you have little faith many times. Jesus says, you have little faith. Why are you afraid or, or why do you doubt? And so the context then of faith in Scripture is this confidence and faith and trust in Him or this place of lacking in faith or, or lacking in our trust and our confidence and expressing that in our life. And Jesus is saying, listen, when, I, when the Son of Man returns, will He find true faith on the earth in the lives of His people? You see, last week we talked about fathers, and I challenged them, and a lot of the moms and the wives were like, yes, this is awesome, right? And the idea is I want you to model for your kids, and I want you to love your kids, and I want you to set balance for your kids, and I want you to, I want you to have ownership of things you have to do. But let me tell you, parents and family and just Christians in general, listen, the, the, the pri- I would say the primary expression of our life needs to be a comfort and walking by faith without sight because it pleases the heart of God and it moves it moves the heart of God and so for us then this life of faith needs to be a defining characteristic of who we are listen so I love being a dad I really do 
beloved with everything in me, and I love, I love my girls, right? I love just the, the different stages of life that, that, that they've already gone through. And I know there are many stages they're going through, some I'm probably not going to like very much, right? You know what I'm getting at, right? But, but one of the things that I love in my girls is how different they are. And so when, my, when, my, so when Anna Catherine was two, we would always go to the park. You may just love going to the park with your kids, right, because the park entertained them. You didn't have to. And so when they were two, we'd go to the park, and we would close the gates, right? They had gates for the parks we went to. And then we'd just close the gate, and we'd just sit down and go, oh. We just exhale, right? It's just one of those things that was so good. We just exhale, right? Praying they don't chew on and, and swallow any bark. Other than that, we were good to go, right? And so, so anyway, there, so that Anna Catherine is old enough, and she's climbing all over the jungle gym piece, right? And, and, and she's going around and doing all this kind of stuff. And so and over here on this one side, there was this big, I say big, for her it was massive, but this rock wall about five feet tall. It came up to right about eye level for me, okay? And, 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 I, and I looked at her when she was about two, and she was standing there looking at me. He's going like this, you know, like kids do, like, look what I did, right? What the fuck, right? And she's just sitting there waving at me from, the, from, the, from this rock wall. And I had this great idea. I said, AK, jump. <laughs> I'll catch you, right? She looked at me. She's like, boom. And she just launched out, right? And I went with my strong muscles. I caught her just like this, right? And she goes, again, again, again. So she thought, like, put her down. She runs back around. She climbs to the jungle gym. She runs out to the edge. And without even, without even, I, I mean, not even, without, no problem, you know, me, you know, probing her to do it, she's like, what? She just jumps out, right? And oh, hey, hey, yeah, right? But the problem was, you know, the problem is from then on, she just knew I was going to catch her, right? And so literally, I would be looking over here and I'd hear, Daddy, and I'd be turning around and she'd already be in the air, right? Like, whoa, hey, 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 just make sure I'm looking at you next time, right? And there's this whole thing going on that she, I mean, again and again and again, listen, my strong muscles started to get tired because she kept on jumping and oh, again and again and again. I'm like, whoa, 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 baby, that was awesome. That's enough. Sarah comes along, she gets about two years old, she starts climbing the jungle gym, right, and she's doing her thing, and Anna Catherine is still, you know, at three and a half at the time, she's still jumping off into my arms, my strong, my strong muscles can catch her, right, and Sarah's standing there at two years old, and I look at her and say, Sarah, jump, and she goes, mm-mm, <laughs> right, mm-mm, like this, I say, seriously, jump, she's like, mm-mm, I'm like, come on, daddy's going to catch you, mm-mm, right, so Anna Catherine comes back up and I said, watch Anna Catherine, Anna Catherine, she goes, woo, and just launches off. Sarah does this. You know, you know, you know the, the, the fall jump? It's not really a jump. It's just kind of like a, a cringing fall. They're acting as a jump. So Sarah's like, I said, jump. She's like, mm, like this. She's like, oh, and I, and I catch her, right? But then in this moment, right, all of a sudden, me expressing this ability to catch her and to undergird her and protect her and hold her, right, she kind of runs back around. And again, she just gets back up there and she looks at me and then she kind of does the lunge, not really the jump, but kind of like the lunge off, right? And then she kept on doing it. And it was one of those neat things that Anna Catherine still, I mean, she's just like, whoa, right, jumping out there and spinning and doing cartwheels and stuff, not really, but there's a whole dynamic, right? She's just like out there. Or Sarah's still like the, ah, you know, there's still that part. But the nature of it was for both of them, there was a faith involved. For Anna Catherine, it was an immediate faith. Some of us have, have this, this, this thing inside of us, immediate faith and trust in God, where, where Sarah's more the reluctant faith, more the Thomason from Scripture, this kind of reluctant faith coming alongside and saying, God, I'm going to have faith, I have faith, but I'm just going to be honest, it takes me a little bit longer to get to that place of, of jumping, but I'm going to get there. I'm on my way. Anna Catherine, she's just always there. Some of us take, like Sarah, a little bit longer to get to the place of jumping, but we know that we're going to. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
But the nature that's expressed in both of their lives was that they had a deep abiding trust and confidence that when they jumped, I would catch them, that I would guard them, that I would protect them, that I would be with them. And in that is this beautiful picture for us of the nature of, and the difficulty even, of expressing faith in our lives. Because my girls had to jump with the knowledge that what if I slip? What if all of a sudden I don't catch them? There's that reality. There's all the things that go in our mind. If you've ever, if you've ever, um, uh, you know, ever gone skydiving, it's one of those moments, right? You have the, the parachute. Talk about faith. Para, you know, jumping out of a plane. I'll never forget when Randall and I went several years ago. I'm sitting up there, right, and I'm and I'm latched on to this guy, which is a little bit awkward. I'm just saying we're really close, and and we're like, he's like, all right, I don't think we're gonna jump. I'm like, oh Jesus, right? And, I, and the great thing is, look, it's so loud you can't hear anything. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just probably praying in tongues the entire time. Oh, no man, I did Jesus, whatever. Why didn't save me, protect me? Oh, right. It's like, oh Jesus. But when you jump out, and the whole time you're falling, this is so great. Is the parachute going to open? There's that moment of faith every time, isn't there? I'm going to throw out the, oh, Jesus, will the parachute open again? Because I take a, I've taken many steps of faith, but once sometimes I'm like, but it worked that time. Is it going to work again this time? And we live in the nature of faith, this, this, uh, this thing. This thing. And so what Jesus, I, do, I, I believe, does in this story in Luke chapter 18, I believe it's ultimately a story of pointing to faith in our lives and bringing us to this point of faith. I believe he's speaking to his disciples about the undergirding nature of Father as one in whom we can have faith. Let's look at this. And the first thing, the first thing we see, a life that's marked by faith. He's, I believe he says that faith is marked by prayer. Faith is marked by prayer. The, the life of faith and this, this, this undergirding of faith is, is birthed in this place of communication, this conversation with Jesus. I have faith in Jesus because I know him, right? And so faith without knowledge is, is un, it's, it's impossible. Faith without knowledge, and I say knowledge, faith without knowledge of the person or thing I have faith in is difficult. I have faith in God. Why? Because I know him. My daughters had faith. Listen, let me tell you something. If your two-year-old kid had walked over and saw me, right, and it did not have someone in their family with facial hair, right, because there's something about kids who don't have someone in their family with facial hair, they freak them out, right? I freak kids out all the time with facial hair. I'm like, hey, how are you, kid, right? I cover up my facial hair so they can't see it. But I walk over to the rock wall and say, jump. There's like, uh-uh. And they just... They turn around and start running back to their mom. They bury their head into their, their, their mom's leg or dad's leg. Why? Because they don't know me. And so the idea is, is this idea, Jesus said in verse 1, Jesus told them a parable to show them that they should always pray. Listen, prayer is not just this boring, oh, Jesus, we come to you. Thou was father of all goodness, right? No, it's not the nature of the superficial, this lame prayer life. The churchy prayers. 
It's the real dynamic of heartfelt conversation with the living God who I actually know when we speak back and forth. Listen, when I say faith is marked by prayer, I mean faith is marked by this this intentional, life-giving conversation that I live in every moment of my day in expectation that when something arises, I can listen and He'll speak to me as I speak to Him. And so Jesus is talking about this nature of communication Listen, I love the story here, right? This lady's style of communication with the judge is a simple one. It's persistent. What's another word? Another way of saying that is it's downright annoying. Honestly, right? That's what it feels like to the judge. It's so persistent. It's so nonstop. He goes to bed with this woman's voice in his head. He wakes up with this woman's voice in his head. And all day long, he's like, oh, there she is again. Do you have people like that in your life? Don't raise your hand. So you have this whole dynamic going down right here for, for this judge. Every day she was coming, calling up to the judge, never backing down, never growing tired. Listen, she was never, listen, she never grew tired of fighting for justice. She never tired of fighting for what was right and what was the heart of God. Listen, Glenn Beck said a few years ago, and I watched a video just recently of talking about be careful of going to church where they talk about social justice. And listen, even in the context of all of that, listen, he's wrong. Scripture is very clear of God fighting for the brokenness of society and social issues in the lives of people. We're always fighting for justice, not just fighting for our own justice and justice in our own lives, but fighting for the justice of other things that are broken in society in which God wants to redeem and make whole again. We live in a broken community. Are we fighting persistently in prayer for everything that's broken in our culture and broken in our society, even broken in our neighborhood and broken in our neighbor's lives? Love your neighbor and fight for them and bring justice to them just as you love yourself and fight for your own justice and the own breakthroughs that you want in your own life. And Jesus is coming and saying, well, I find faith. On earth. You see, the piece is this. This widow had a great need. We don't know exactly what it was. We don't know if she was fighting for her son, fighting for a family, or fighting for something else, or fighting just for herself. We had no idea. But in it, she had reached the end. See, isn't that the nature of faith? So often we try to do things in our own strength, but she'd reached the point of kind of no return. There's nothing that she could do, nothing anyone could do. She needed someone to fight for her. See, the nature of our lives is that Jesus is saying this is persistent in that our lives should be marked by continual reality, that God can do a whole lot better job of bringing breakthrough in things than you can. But by nature, we try to do everything in our own strength, don't we? And make things happen by ourselves. Rather than, I mean, let's go back to the this weeks of talking about parenting. How many of you, if you're, you're struggling with your children and raising your children, when's the last time you fasted and prayed and cried out to God for 30 days straight? Maybe you didn't fast for that entire time. Maybe you took one day a week of that and fasted, but you fasted and prayed and cried out to God. I'm going to pick on Ella and Lindsay in the back. Lindsay's coming in from Texas. You just said I told you, didn't you? Did you say that? Yeah. 
And so Lindsay's in town, right, from Texas. She was on staff with us for a long time doing our books. She's part of our family. We're going to dedicate uh, her, her newest addition to the family next week. We're excited about that. Lindsay had a period of time in her life that was difficult and of really bad choices. She was in desperate sin, right? And this sin had just wrapped up her life, and she was broken. And you know what Gary and Ella did? They said, oh, that's fine. And they just walked off and let this live their life, didn't they? Heck no. They got on their knees. They cried out to God. They get everyone around them crying out to God. They, you reached the point of no return. And they cried out to God. Jesus, redeem our daughter. Save her. And there were moments they couldn't pray. There are moments they couldn't lift up. So they had people around them saying, we can't pray right now. Please pray for us. We've reached the end. And she was addicted to cocaine, is that correct? Yes. And one night, in the midst of just, in the midst of this place, the Wesley Foundation at Georgia, Jesus showed up in the bathroom and said, I'm here, and I can set you free. And he did. Listen, how long did y'all pray, Ella? A year, day and night, never giving up, unrelenting. That's the persistent widow. Fortunately, she was not a widow. She had someone to pray with her. But the nature of it is that faith is marked by continual, never-ending prayer. Listen, I'm about to give something to you that's not American, that has no timeline to it. Isn't that the nature of faith for us that we struggle with? We pray until it beca- we pray and we ask and we cry out, and, and, and then it gets too hard. And we're like, oh, I just can't do this anymore. Where are you, God? And then we turn to frustration. It's just easier to vent frustration than to continue to pray and to fight. But the nature of faith is that we never give up. We persist. We cry out. We persist. And we cry out with no timeline on it. The second thing we see is that faith has confidence in Jesus' moving. Faith has confidence in Jesus' moving. In verse 6, Jesus says to his disciples, listen to what the unjust judge says. Now listen, if it ever says in Scripture, listen to something, then you should probably stop and say, what am I supposed to listen to? Right? And so I want to say I've stayed in this Scripture for about two weeks now. Every time I sit down, I read Luke 18. It's all I've been reading. And I, just, and, I, and I listen every time exactly what the unjust judge says. I read it. I've probably read it a hundred times in the last two weeks. Just read it over and over and over again. God, what, is, what's, what are you saying? Jesus, what are you saying? What are you getting at? So I'm going to share with you some of the things I just feel like God was pulling out in the moment, okay? Verse 4, this is what the judge says. You need to read along with me or mark it in your Bible. For some time... He refused. Time. We have no idea. Was for some time a week? Was it two weeks? Was it a year, a month? Who knows, right? For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, even though I don't care about men or humanity, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. 
Now listen, in these verses, Jesus is contrasting two clear characters. One is an unjust judge, and the other is a very just father, God, right? In the story, we find that the outcome is the same. They are granted justice. She is granted justice, right? The result is the same. But what we find is that the characters involved are diametrically opposed to one another. He's not saying that God is like the unjust judge. He's saying, listen, look at what the unjust judge does. He, he, he listens and he still brings the answer. But consider then, in contrast, that God, of course, is going to bring justice. Why? Because he is the exact opposite of the judge. He cares deeply with everything in him to the point that he gave his only son. He cares deeply about humanity. Listen, he never feels bothered by our coming. Never feels bothered by our coming to him with requests, even if they're lame. He loves them. He just wants to be with us. How many of you, when your kids come to you and they ask you for something lame, you just like kind of laugh and say, no, you can't have that. But daddy, I just want three more cookies. It's 11 p.m. at night. I'm sorry, right? That's just so cute. There's the dynamic of this. He never gets bothered by our coming to him, right? We can never, ever wear him out with our coming. And he's, getting, he's saying, listen, if God is a good God and he's a just God, and you have an unjust God, judge over here who still brings justice for those who cry out in faith persistently, then don't you think if that happened, then of course, obviously, with confidence, this thing's going to happen over here that we cry out and believe for, in persistence, that we never give up. We don't put time on it. Because time is dangerous. God lives outside of time. Why do we try to define time for a God who's not living in it? He's outside of time. He's bigger than time. Man, that's a long conversation right there, y'all. Timeline. Here's the picture God gave me one time. Here's a, here's a line. Timeline from beginning to end. It had a beginning, and our timeline never has an end. And here is Jesus. And he encompasses everything. So he lives at the beginning of time and at the end of time all at the same time. Why do we try to bind him in time with the way that we pray? Oh, God, you've got two weeks to do this. You know what I'm getting at? That we pray without ceasing, trusting in confidence his timeline if we're faithful to come and to pray and to persist and to cry out. Why? Because he's a good God. He was 100% just. But he comes down and says, verse this is number three, does our faith move Jesus? And what I mean does, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Do we have the faith that, you know what I mean, move God, that, that when we cry out like a loving father, he grants justice. He sets daughters free from addiction. Do we live in this faith and this confidence? I'm not saying it's easy. Ella would tell you, she get up here, it was overwhelming. It was gut-wrenching. There were moments where the dark night of the soul where I, was afraid. I just didn't know if I could take another step, right? I'd reached the end, and I'm like, God, I can't go any further. He says, but by faith you can. Trust me. Just live in this 
place of knowing. It's not about how much you pray. It's not about the words that you pray. It's a matter of just having faith. Listen, the greatest prayers that people pray in the moment of desperation is complete silence, but the knowledge of God, I need you with the quietness of my heart. Do you know what I'm talking about? Go! Just those moments inside of faith and of trust. God, I can't, but I know that you can. I'll move. One of the saddest verses in all the scriptures, the one which says in Matthew, I think it's Matthew, yeah, thirteen fifty-eight. And he did not do many miracles in this town because of their lack of faith. Could not do many miracles because of their lack of deep, abiding confidence and trust in Jesus and the steps of faith that they could not quite see and that had no definite end to them. I believe this is the dangerous reality that our Christian church faces in this generation. Jesus is already seeing it in his generation. He, in his own hometown, I can't do, I can't, I can't move here. Isn't that, isn't that little, isn't that scary? Isn't that sobering to know that there are lots, there are things, there are lots of things Jesus can't do, lots of things God can't do. He could not move because of the people's lack of faith and a deep abiding trust and confidence in Him that defined their every moment of every day. God is speaking to us in this season, this call to have faith. You know, I had a, a buddy of mine who left his law practice to become a, a counselor, full-time counselor. And I met with him about three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and I can't remember when it was exactly, two weeks ago probably. Uh, and he just wanted to sit down and tell me what was going on, right? And so we were just we were, we were meeting at the coffee shop, drinking coffee, talking, and, and I, we just asked him the question. I said, what's your thing? Like, what's your expertise? Like, what's the thing that you love? Like, you can just get excited about counseling people. And he said, well, I'm a Christian counselor, and I, and I, and I love, you know, and many Christians come in because that's kind of my sphere of the world I live in. And he said, and, and one of my favorite things to do is sit down and ask him, say, okay, so do you, does faith define your relationship with Jesus? And they'll say, yeah, yeah, I have faith. In Jesus, and usually what they mean is, I have faith that yes, I'm saved. Right? I'm, I'm living in relationship with Him. Right? Yes, I, I am. I, I have faith. It says, but you're overwhelmed with life. You're confused. You're anxious. It's like, yeah, these all these things. He talks about this. This nature people come in. They're just overwhelmed with life. And he looks at them and says, then you're not really doing that good a job then of actually expressing your faith, are you? And he looked at him a little bit offended. And he said, because if faith, if you really had faith in Jesus, then you wouldn't be overwhelmed by anxiety, worry, difficulty, and frustration. Because your faith in the unseen would be defining your life, and you'd be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And he goes, they look at me like, I'm a terrible Christian. He says, but that's why I'm here, to help you actually flesh out who I know you already are but are having a difficult time being. And he spends his time with them, helping them land in the foundation of the faith that they already possess but have not been utilizing. And that's what God wants to do. 
in each of us. He wants to take what's already present and to awaken it inside of us so that we can say, when he says, will I find faith on earth? You can say, dude, lover, Jesus, friend, Lord, you can find it right here. I've trusted you. And he goes, I know. I know. I remember you crying out. I remember getting on my knees with you. I remember, quote, unquote, weeping with you. I remember those times of intercession, those times of prayer. I remember the moment where you just spoke into that person's life, the thing that I spoke to you, and everything broke for them. I remember the moment that you stepped that in, in faith with this person who is antagonistic and who's mean, and you just shared the gospel of Jesus, and they melted. And we just jumped together in joy as we watched the life of the Holy Spirit come flowing into them. Oh, that was so great. That's what God's looking for a church to step into. That's who he's calling us to be. That's who he's looking for. And so the question that you have to answer today is when Jesus looks at you, he says, will, do, will I find, when the Son of Man returns, will I find faith on the earth? And your prayer should be, God, I believe and have faith, but help my unbelief and my unfaith. Help me to become like Abraham, that I can step out into the unknown, that I can jump knowing that you're going to catch me. And it may not be right when I want you to, but that you will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this nature of faith that you have allowed in us, that you have worked in us. Scripture tells us, Jesus in Corinthians, that that you've already given us a measure of faith. When we give our lives to you, you work in us, you give us, you bless us with this gift of faith. It's already present. We don't have to work it up. We don't have to pray it up. We don't have to Christian calisthenic it up. God, all we have to do is just receive it and express it. And Father, those who are, who are the, the ones who are like my friend is discussing, what do they have it, but it's not defining their life? Lord, I release them now from feeling like, God, that, that it's all on them. That's called works, and that's not it. But, Father, I pray that you would give them the awareness that faith is present. And so, Father, when the next moment comes, Lord, it's a, a blind step. Something that's overwhelming them. It's a it's a it's a direction in the future or something God you're calling them to pray into that seems too big to believe you for and too hard to pray into God. For something, God, that's just so gut wrenching and heart wrenching that God, we don't have the strength to pray. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would awaken us to the faith that's already present that we can exercise and lean into you with and watch you move. And so, Father, I'm asking today that you would come and awaken this in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's ministry time. You're